I think we'll be able to bring together really large groups, 10,000 people, and allow them to quickly converge on solutions that are significantly smarter than any individual would generate on their own. Welcome to the Amplifying Cognition podcast. I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by the unlimited potential of the human mind. In this podcast, we learn from amazing people how to think better and build better organizations in our massively accelerating world. We explore what's possible, how to augment ourselves, and ultimately, who we can become. In addition to the podcast, we apply the insights from our guests to develop useful tools and resources. These include the Thought Weaver app for better thinking with AI, the Humans Plus AI community with a wonderful group of explorers and extensive learning resources, my AI-enhanced thinking and decision-making cohort course, corporate programs, and a lot more. So to find out about these or to access a whole host of free resources, our newsletter, and uh, much more, just go to amplifyingcognition.com. And if you like the episode, please subscribe and rate the podcast. That will help others to find it. I work on amplifying cognition across pretty much all my work, not just this podcast. And one of my central activities this year is running a Maven cohort course on AI-enhanced thinking and decision-making. Over four weeks, we dive deep into the best practices for using AI to amplify your cognition, augment your creativity, and make better decisions. The best leaders and professionals will all be AI enhanced before long, so it's worth learning the techniques to do that at your very best. The next cohort starts on March 28th, and if you're quick, you can get a 30% discount before March 1st using the code EARLYBIRD, all caps, or after that, 20% using the code AC newsletter, all caps. The easiest way to find the course is to go to amplifyingcognition.com. There's a link to the course near the top of the page. In this episode, we talk with Louis Rosenberg. Louis is the CEO and chief scientist of Unanimous AI, which amplifies the intelligence of networked human groups. He earned his PhD from Stanford, has been awarded over 300 patents for virtual reality, augmented reality, and artificial intelligence technologies. He's founded a number of successful companies, including Unanimous AI, Immersion Corporation, Microscribe, and Outland Research. His new book, Our Next Reality, on the AI-powered metaverse, is out in March 2024. In this conversation, we talk about swarm intelligence, getting inspiration from animals such as bees and birds and fish, and applying that to humans using conversational techniques to build swarm intelligence, about how you can move towards solution convergence in groups, this ideas of collective intelligence and what we can expect in the years to come. It's a fascinating conversation. Stand by for a conversation with Louis Rosenberg. Louis, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So swarm intelligence is something that is, seems to be the move to the center of your life. So tell me, what is swarm intelligence? And well, actually, and also, why why has it captured your imagination? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, you know, I've spent my my whole career looking at technologies that can be used to amplify human abilities. Um, I started out looking at you know, researching technologies like virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, back thirty years ago, uh, and about two decades ago, I, I started. 
kind of transitioning my interest from how do you amplify the abilities of single individuals to how do you amplify the, indiv- the abilities of groups? And, and can you use technology to make groups of people smarter? Now, there's you know, existing research been around for 100 years, a, a field called collective intelligence, where uh, it's, it's pretty well known that you can take a group of people, uh, ask them a question. Uh, the most famous example uh, uh, was about 100 years ago, an experiment uh, by Sir Francis Galton, where he asked you know, 100 people or actually 800 people to estimate the weight of an ox. He took all their individual estimates. I uh, created an, an aggregation, a statistical aggregation, and the group was smarter. And that birthed this field of, of collective intelligence. Sometimes people call that the wisdom of crowds. And, and about a decade ago, I, you know, I, it really struck me that the techniques that most people are using in, in modern times really haven't changed that much, much from 100 years ago. Uh, most collective intelligence methods are about collecting information from individuals, aggregating, and seeing it an increase in intelligence, um, but not a massive increase, but but a a real increase. And so the I did what a lot of people do in, in a lot of different technology areas is, is look to nature. You know, how does nature solve this problem? Um, and it turns out that nature and, and evolution has been wrestling with this issue of group intelligence for hundreds of millions of years and, and evolved methods in a lot of different species that uh, independently, that solve this problem, uh, it, it's, it's the reason why birds flock and fish school and bees swarm. They can make better decisions together in groups than they can as, as individuals. And it turns out that nature does not do it the way people do. We don't, uh, we don't survey a bunch of individuals, uh, take the statistical average, and use that as the solution. Um, what nature does is it forms systems, real-time systems, uh, and biologists really call those systems swarms. So whether it's a swarm of bees or a school of fish, it's referred to as swarm intelligence because it's a real-time system. And, uh, and these natural systems are pretty remarkable. And they are a really good inspiration for, um, for how we can make human groups smarter. But if you think of a school of fish, for example, thousands of members, nobody's in charge, uh, and yet they can make decisions as a unified system. Decisions so quickly that a, a predator could approach and the whole swarm of fish can evade that predator um, as, a, as a single unit, and yet there's nobody in charge. Um, and, but it's, it's not just a, an evasion of predators. A school of fish makes decisions as a group, as a collective, to navigate the ocean and find food and, and seek, you know, uh, more, uh, seek waters that are, that are more amenable to their survival. And these species have been around for hundreds of millions of years making decisions like this, and their decisions are smarter as a collective than the individuals could do on their own. And so how do they do it? They do it by forming a system where uh, each individual in that system has different set of knowledge. And if you think about a school of fish, some fish can only see in one direction. Some fish can see in another direction. There's other fish who can't even actually see outside the school. Um, each, each organism has a different set of knowledge. It has a different uh, history, uh, different experiences. Each fish has even a different temperament. 
And, uh, and so they're all collecting information and then they're all behaving and they're, they have the ability to communicate with each other and fish are pretty amazing. They, they communicate with each other based on little vibrations in the water around them from their neighboring fish. And so they, they have actually a, an organ on the side of their body called a lateral line. And it allows them to detect what is the fish, what are the fish right around them doing? What's their speed and direction? And so a single fish has this little group of fish that it can uh, detect what it's doing. It can detect their sentiments. And that fish has its own sentiment. And so it's having this little negotiation with the fish around them. And then the question is, well, how does that translate into the whole school making a decision. Well, the amazing thing about schools of fish is that each of those little subgroups overlaps with other subgroups. So one little subgroup uh, is having a conversation. It's overlapping another subgroup of individuals who, who are doing this, this same thing. And so information can propagate through the full system really quickly. And that whole fish, can, that whole group can make decisions. And so, and, uh, and whether it's fish or birds or bees, especially, these groups that function this way amplify their intelligence. And so about a decade ago, uh, you know, I founded a company, Unanimous AI, just focused on can, you know, if this works for birds and bees and fish, can we let humans do this? Can we connect human groups together in real-time systems where the groups can push and pull on each other uh, to answer questions, to make predictions, to make forecasts, and we'll let amplify their intelligence? And, and it turns out that it, it works, and it works really well. And, and we refer to that as artificial swarm intelligence or swarm AI. And, um, and that, that has been, you know, my, like you said, my focus for the last decade. And it's, uh, it continues to amaze us how, how, uh, when groups of people can form these real time systems, they can, uh, significantly amplify their group intelligence. So first of all, just taking a little bit on the natural phenomenon and then how you sort of, uh, replicate that or imitate that. So I, I remember quite some time ago, people who created algorithms for uh, artificial birds, which basically created flocking behavior, essentially, where everyone is responding to each other in the way you describe. So to what degree have the, you know, the bird or bee or um, other group behavior been, I suppose, uh, replicated or manifested as algorithms where we can understand what are the inputs and what is the behavior of the individuals, which leads to these swarms. Yeah. So the, the key, whether it's birds or bees or fish, the, the key thing about how these systems operate is that each individual doesn't give a response like a like a person on a survey might give a response. Let's go left. Like that's that's not uh, that's not how these these systems work. These these natural systems, each organism each organism um, uh, pulls in a direction in real time and behaves, and then reacts in real time to everybody else pulling. And so every every uh, every organism in the system is adapting its behaviors in real time. It's in, in some sense discovering the strength of their convictions in real time based on they're pulling in a certain direction. How much do people does the swarm pull back? If uh, if some if an uh, if a 
organism has really strong conviction that they should go a certain direction, they will they will resist the group that's trying to pull it back. If they're ambivalent, they might want to go in a certain direction. And as soon as there's resistance, they just concede to the group. And so the, the thing that's really interesting about a swarm, because it's this real-time system with feedback loops, is that you discover the true level of conviction of each individual. Um, whereas in a survey or a poll or an interview, like you don't really know the level of conviction and the individual might not even know. Well, the level. I mean, it's difficult to talk about conviction when you're talking about animals. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, you're, 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 that's a, I suppose a human imputation of what it is that the, the, these animals are doing. So, I mean, back to my question, are there algorithms that have been uh, used to effectively uh, reflect exactly the behaviors of these swarms? Um, so, yes. So, uh, so f- two, two things. First, um, I would say that it's an it's a underestimate to say that these animals don't express conviction. Even simple, simple animals, the simplest of the ones I mentioned are bees, honeybees. They absolutely express conviction. In fact, and the algorithms are well known for how honeybees express conviction. They when a, a group of honeybees makes a decision, uh, what they do, they, they, they do something called a waggle dance, which is a, they vibrate their body. The magnitude of that vibration is the strength of their conviction. And the direction of that vibration is, is, the, is the strength, is the direction that they think that the group should go. And they negotiate based on magnitude and direction of conviction until they can converge on a solution that the group as a whole can agree upon. And, and so we, we humans can't waggle dance. Humans don't have lateral lines on our body like fish to detect vibrations in the water. And so the first types of systems that we built created a graphical user interface where each person is, uh, each human who can connect from anywhere in the world controls a, a little graphical icon with their mouse or their touch screen. Or, um, and that icon just looks like a little magnet. And the magnet is, uh, they use the magnet to pull on the system. And they pull on the system in whatever direction. It's not a vote. It's it's continuous. It's analog. And so uh, let's say I put a question up on a screen um, and it could be something as you know as simple as, you know, who's going to win the Oscar for best picture? And there's a bunch of different uh, options. And each person controls a magnet. And that magnet has a magnitude and a direction. Uh, they have to modulate that in real time. If the swarm starts moving in a direction, they have to chase the swarm with their magnet. And so we emulate the same kind of signal that we see in fish or even more specifically bees. And, and now we have, uh, we, we trained an AI to look at those, to look at those signals, to look at the magnitude and direction of, of how people pull and, and use that to infer the strength of their conviction. So is conviction a key concept here? So conviction is a key concept uh, because the question is, I can ask, I can ask somebody a question and they can start pulling and everybody can pull in a different direction. And I have no idea who really cares strongly about that or who they're all pretty much have equal weight. But I asked you to make a decision and so you start pulling in a direction. And, and, and in fact, if I ask those people to tell me the strength of their conviction, they can't tell me. And people try to do that on surveys all the time. They'll say, you know, tell me, you know, 
who's going to win? And on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you? And, and you can't do it because people, A, people aren't linear in their sense of conviction. My scale and your scale are different. I could say I have a conviction of eight and you could say you have a conviction of six. And those might actually mean the same thing. But when the group is together in a system and they're all behaving pushing and pulling, and then you have an AI that's that's not looking at what they report, but looking at how they behave. And by, by I mean by how they behave, somebody starts pulling for an option, how long does it take before they, they realize that they can't sway the group and they concede? The, the length of time it takes them to, convict, to, 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 uh, to capitulate to the group is telling us the strength of their conviction. Um, and if you have a multi-directional, multi-dimensional problem, if I start pulling for a direction and then I switch to another direction, uh, you know, how long does that take? How, how aggressively am I, am, am I chasing the swarm if it's moving away from me? So there's all these subtle behaviors that the AI learns to say, okay, I, I understand. it knows how a person's behavior in this system relates to its conviction and it aggregates everybody's sentiment in real time based on those convictions, which, um, which is really the most important value, but it's also a feedback loop. And this is, the, like, this is the subtle point, which is I can ask a question, a group of people start pulling in different directions. As soon as the swarm starts moving, everybody starts adjusting their behavior. And so, and so the system keeps getting more and more information about conviction, because it's, again, it's not a vote, it's everybody's changing in real time. And so uh, the question pops up, everybody starts pulling. As soon as the swarm starts moving in a direction, people start adjusting their behavior. The AI is able to, to refine its sense of conviction based on how everybody behaves. And so the swarm might move in a direction, stop, start moving in another direction, stop, and then find the solution that is that, that can combine, uh, the, the, that basically can, can maximize, in, in most cases, the collective conviction of the group. And when you can maximize the collective conviction of the group, rather than just aggregating their gut reaction with, with no sense of conviction, which is the typical way of doing it, you get significantly more accurate uh, answers. And, uh, and so we've, and we've, uh, we've partnered with uh, actually most major universities to run, to run rigorous tests to see, does this really amplify intelligence? We ran a test with... Uh, a, a set of experiments with researchers at, at MIT uh, looking at financial forecasters. And here the issue was, okay, we take groups of financial forecasters, uh, 12 to 20 people, and ask them to predict the price of gold, the price of oil, and the S&P 500, and do that every week for 25 consecutive weeks. Uh, and we'll ask them to do it on a survey. We'll see what their answer is. We'll, ask, we'll aggregate those surveys to take the most popular answers and see how that does. And then, or we'll have them do it as a real-time swarm. And in the published studies, we saw that when they work together as a swarm, we amplified their accuracy uh, by over 25%, 25% more accurate when we combine their insights together as a swarm. We did uh, a similar study with Stanford University looking at uh, doctors. And these were actually relatively small groups of doctors making diagnoses. That was four to six doctors. Uh, they were going to diagnose x-rays. X-ray pops up on their screen, all their screens. Uh, they could either just take a vote, the traditional way of, you know, does this patient have pneumonia or not? Uh, in this case, they, was, they were asked, what's the probability that this patient has pneumonia? Uh, and 
uh, when they either did it as uh, individuals versus taking a vote or you know an aggregated survey versus doing it together as a swarm, uh, the published study uh, showed that they were over 30% more accurate when they worked together at this real-time system and converged on the answer. And in both these cases, when you when you ask people why, you interview the participants, you know, they they will tell you that they discovered the set the strength of their conviction in the process. Like the process works in both ways. Like the AI is discovering this, the conviction of the people, but the people are also discovering how strong they feel. And the only way you really discover how strong you feel about something is if other people are opposing you, if there's if there's resistance. And, and that's the problem with collecting input that's not in a system, is that there is no resistance. People are just giving you their, 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 their gut reaction. Taking a very quick break, this podcast is just one facet of our work to amplify human cognition. If you're interested in thinking better in a world of overload, using AI to augment yourself, finding like-minded thinkers, or improving your organization's performance, just go to amplifyingcognition.com. You'll find a wealth of free resources and useful tools. Now, back to the show. So, also, so that's obviously what you're describing is when there is a single set of possible answers. And so then you've also looked at conversational swarm intelligence, which uh, I suppose is more open-ended. So I'd like to sort of dig into that. And, you know, reflecting this is the Amplifying Cognition podcast, so we want to get very, uh, you know, specific around, you know, what are the mechanisms, structures, algorithms, how, how is it that through in conversations you can bring together better outcomes as a group? So there's really kind of two principles of of human behavior that have been well known. One is collective intelligence, that groups can be smarter than individuals uh, if you can harness and aggregate their input. Um, the, the other principle is that human groups are very skilled at uh, reaching good decisions through conversational deliberation. So a conversational deliberation is a key human quality. Um, and, and so you could, we started from this principle of, we know that conversational deliberation is an important way that groups uh, generate ideas, debate alternatives, uh, surface insights, um, push back and, and find solutions as a group. And we know that much, very large groups um, can be smarter than small groups. And so the, the, the principal test was, well, okay, well, why can't we have 500 people have a conversation? Um, can't we connect people together and allow 500 people to have a conversation? Um, it, it turns out that you can't do that in a convenient way. Uh, if, now, if we look at uh, like a, a, a chat room, like if you wanted to put 500 people in a chat room and have them have a single conversation, impossible because the, the information that's flying by is, is crazy, right? Or 500 people or even 50 people in a Zoom call. It's not really a conversation. It turns out that researchers have found that the ideal size for a human conversation is about five to seven people. And above five to seven people, you, it just degrades quickly because you lose airtime per person. And you also lose the ability for somebody to react to somebody else in real time. Uh, you, you know, if there's 20 people, now you have to wait so long to react to somebody, you, you, you won't 
uh, you lose your train of thought. And so conversations fundamentally aren't scalable. And so to solve this, we again look to fish, which have this really interesting mechanism where they can have thousands of fish and make these rapid decisions. And again, the way they do it is they, they um, because each fish can detect just a small subset of fish around them, and all these subsets are overlapping, you, you have, by having overlapping subgroups, you can get the benefits of a small group but the collective benefits of information that propagates through the full system. And so the, the, the next step for us was to say, well, let's take a group of 100 people or 500 people, break them up into overlapping subgroups of conversations, and, and that will create a, you know, a really powerful collective intelligence. Turns out that people are terrible at having overlapping conversations, meaning uh, if if I'm in a conversation with five people and I overhear another conversation, it will it will overload my brain. In fact, there's a name for it. It's called the cocktail party problem. In a cocktail party, you could have a uh, hundred people in a big room, each broken up into these little groups of five or six. And in fact, our brain evolved the opposite capability. Our brain evolved the capability to focus on the five people around us and deliberately tune out the people further so we so we so we are the opposite of fish we can't we cannot do this schooling behavior uh, to amplify our intelligence in a in a large group and so when we we built this technology called conversational swarm intelligence by leveraging the power of large language models and so what we do to to solve this problem is we say, okay, let's take 100 people, let's break them up into 20 groups of five people, which are all really good size for local deliberation. Then let's put an artificial agent into each of those different 20 groups. And that artificial agent is a sixth member of the group who's not human. And so we could actually pay attention to two conversations at once. We can't do that, but it can do that. Uh, so we put this artificial agent in these 20 groups. That artificial agent's job is to uh, to listen to the conversation in their little group, uh, assess the key insights that are being discussed, and then share those key insights with other groups, pass information through the network, basically connect the groups together so it can propagate through like it does in a fish school. And all of those little uh, our agents in all the subgroups are doing that at the same time. And so now you can have 100 people, which is basically you know 20 groups of five, all overlapping because of their, their sixth member, their, their AI agent member, and, and you can get the benefits of small deliberations and the benefits of collective intelligence. In this case, so you've got five people, and so this is presumably using text-based chat. So right now we're doing text-based chat. Uh, we also can allow voice input, so that people can put voice input into the text-based chat, but we've, uh, we're not quite fast enough to allow full voice, just straight voice chat. Uh, but that's but the, but the algorithms and the methods and the technology really would be the same for voice versus text. But doing it as text-based chat. So, so, in that case, so in that case, so you've got five people who are having a conversation, deliberating a question. So then... With an, with an, with an AI agent who's participating. So there's a... Yeah. And so that, that agent, is it, is the agent in each of those groups reflecting the whole of the other 20 groups or some subset of it so how what what specifically is it bringing into that each conversation right so um so the ai agent in uh in one in each subgroup is 
is paying attention to the conversation in its own subgroup. And then, um, and so there's 20 different AIs that are paying attention to conversations. And then there is a market, basically a market algorithm where it's, where the, the system knows, okay, what, what are the insights that are emerging in all these 20 rooms? And let's look for which groups have really different insights. Some of them will be thinking the exact same thing. We don't need to pass that information. But, um, but if one group has one set of ideas and, and it's very different than another group, we can that information can get passed. And then the agent in their room will express it conversationally. It will say, uh, you know, hey, I, you know, I was watching group six and, you know, they think that um, this movie should win best picture because of this and this and this. And then the group that that group of that hears this can be swayed by that, could respond negatively to it, could just ignore it. Uh, but it's again, we're getting us. So this is just so the, the, the one thing to, to kind of tie this all back, the thing that's interesting about conversations, especially when you have AI agents that are looking at everybody's sentiments in real time, is that just like a school of fish in a conversation, you're really looking at people's behaviors. They're, uh, it's, it's, you know, how are they responding to each other? So, you know, I could ask the question, who's going to win the Super Bowl? And somebody says, uh, Kansas City. And, uh, and somebody else says the 49ers, they're going to, they're going to speak with different levels of strength and sentiment. They might have different arguments about why, uh, the 49ers versus Kansas City. Uh, now there's another group having a similar debate. Maybe it surfaces a different idea. Uh, and so that idea, that insight that was surfaced somewhere else can come into this group. So how is that the AI choose a particular additional perspective to bring to bear into one conversation? What is the, the aspect of that, you know, complimentary conversation, which brings in, how does it, how does it pick that? Right. So, um, the, the fundamental, the fundamental principle of, a, of say a swarm is to be able to assess, uh, people, the, the level of conviction that people have to, towards all the possible answers, all the possible reasons and solutions. And so if if a group is having a local conversation, we will have a sense of their conviction with respect to a subset of the full amount of information. We will have no idea of their strength of their conviction with respect to this other idea that surfaced in another room. So that that is a reason to bring that idea in. And so the, the this is really about make, making sure that we're, we're mixing information so that we're getting we're getting us the strength of their sentiment towards as much of this of the the information that's available to the so, full the, so in terms of the difference or what is missing from what their conversation right. it's what it's it's what information is missing what reasons haven't they considered and then the, and then um and there's a hierarchy meaning again if i have 20 groups so we've done groups of you know 400 people so there could be you know 80 groups going on and so and there's a lot of overlap between the ideas. And so if there's one obs really obscure idea that only surfaced in one room, it has lower priority to be, to go in to, to rooms. But if I'm in a, a, a small conversation that um, that's considered a certain amount of ideas, but there's this, some other ideas that have surfaced in you know 25% of the other rooms, that's a pretty important one for this room to 
consider because it's it's likely an important idea. And what you know, what's their conviction? Do they do they resonate with that that point? I mean, the point could be well, you haven't considered the weather that's going to be on Super Bowl Sunday, and if and so. What you're doing is you're making sure that this information propagates through the full and that you're again, what you're what you're really getting is what what is the reaction that people have to information, either information they haven't considered before. uh, Do they resist it? uh, Do they uh, do they support it or if an idea that if, if they surfaced an idea, which will often happen, uh, will they concede if somebody pushes back? Will they argue? Uh, will that will that idea take hold in their little subgroup? Will it propagate to another subgroup? Will it continue to propagate across? Uh, and so you can see that you know some sentiments, some insights uh, have the ability to to propagate. Others will just die out. They don't have the ability to propagate. And so it's you. You know, ultimately, the the ideas and the insights that can propagate across this full group of four hundred people, and and uh, generate strong support, is, is there is it is the collective is where the collective conviction uh, uh, emerges, and and what we and what we see is that that those answers, those solutions, uh, end up being. Uh, either more accurate if we and we've run a, a variety of tests. Either more accurate if it's a if there's an objective answer. Okay, well let's just run that out. So so where's we go from here? So in the next three, five, ten years, where is are we going to? What are the pathways to be able to get this to a uh, to the potential of being able to bring together a collective? Uh, intelligence, right? So uh, five years from now, I think we'll be able to bring together really large group, large groups. So right now, it's you know we've done three, four hundred people. We could bring together you know ten thousand people in a single conversation, um, and we could harness their collective insights and allow them to quickly converge on solutions that are uh, significantly smarter than any individual could. Uh, would would generate on their own, um, and those those insights will either again there could be objective solutions where those insights are are more accurate or more insightful, or there's subjective solutions. Let's say you just want to you want to know what does the what directions, what ideas, what sentiments does the group support the most? Um, you know which you know what is the what is the idea that will resonate most with this with this population? We can get we we surface these subjective insights, or we subject we surface these objective uh, objective solutions, and uh, and because it's conversational, it's completely open ended. You can start with no idea of what the answers are, and just watch groups brainstorm ideas, debate ideas, converge on solutions that are. Um, that again combine the the benefits of large groups, the collective intelligence of large groups, with the deliberative power of of, of small focused conversations. So essentially, so essentially applying the current approaches and structures, uh, you know, further rather than you seeing any uh, additional advances in the structures or algorithms that you're using. Uh, I think I think we'll, we will we will see uh, more and more advances uh, just. In um, 
in how we architect the information passing around, how the artificial agents behave to to uh, to extract behaviors from the participants. Um, there's, I mean, this is this is a, a new technology. There's, I think, lots of room for improvement. Uh, what what we're excited about is the basic structure and architecture. Um, it works with humans, meaning it's you know it. it Something you know, you could tell it could work on paper. It should work, but people, people can actually do it if they feel comfortable doing it. Uh, they actually like participating in this way, and um, and the the big thing that that we're working on is how to allow that the AI agent and the humans to to work work better and better together. There's there's a lot of just interesting open questions about the etiquette between the AI agent and the humans in that conversation um, to. To maximize the the yeah, the I can imagine that will be a, a um, promise. Then, yeah, the certainly yeah. can that can be improved. So, Louis, where can people find out more about your work? Yeah, so um, our company is called Unanimous AI, which is just at unanimous.ai. Um, and uh, yeah, we've we've been working on this uh, this idea of of uh, artificial swarm intelligence for for almost a decade. Uh, the conversational swarm intelligence. Uh, we've only been testing it for about a year, and it's very, very promising and moving very, very quickly. But uh, we had we publish we, we we put links to our uh, our academic papers on the website and uh, and lots of other information. So. Excellent. All right. Thanks. Very interesting work. Uh, thanks for all of your contributions to collective intelligence. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to dive deeper, access free downloads in our newsletter, and discover useful tools, go to amplifyingcognition.com. Did you enjoy this episode? Please support us by taking 30 seconds to give us a rating or a one-sentence review. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful day.